And like, I remember putting the phone down and calling you up and calling, <laughs> like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 14. We're still going. 14? Mm, same age as my daughter will be in a year's time. What were you doing when you were 14 episodes long? I've never been an episode. Mm. Well, we are Different Times Podcast and you've joined us on a, a very strange episode. So we're talking about uh, a chap that we know that put out a fanzine and started a record label that had a really big effect on our life. A massive effect. Yeah, like probably one of the major influences on what shaped me and Dan. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I'm the first not... person who wasn't my dad to believe in our music and put money behind getting it out there. Yeah, man. I've not thought of that, but yeah, that's really true. So that that's coming up. And, you know, the, the front cover of this one... If you have a look at it, it is a bit different. So I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, put a lot of thought into it. And yeah, it's about time we talked about him. So regardless of that, before we do these things, before we do that, we'd like to do a little digging about what's gone on this week. I tell you what, the guy next to me, Daniel Sargent, he's got a lot that went on this week. Daniel, tell him how it is. I got something to say. I know we're not doing the metallic one at the moment, are we? No, that's finished. Or the Danzig one. Uh, right, as you know, I'll never talk to you on a Thursday evening. I'm always around my brothers, having a beer, talking about stuff, catching up, watching some crap on the telly, having some bad food. Uh, and he's a big fan of the podcast. And you know what I'm going to say already. No, I don't. <laughs> he, uh, he picked up on uh, some of your weird speech impediments. And in oh. particular... He said, why does Paul always say album rather than album? And that is like, obviously between our friendship group, that comes up quite a lot and we have a laugh about it. I guess, And yeah. then for someone who's not part of that friendship group and uh, our scene who, who doesn't know you incredibly well, he picked up on it too now. Uh, I don't know why I do that. Like, I don't even know that I do that anymore until someone says it. It's like the old... Album. I can say album. <laughs> it is possible. It's like the Mastodon, Mastodon thing. Oh, man. I Honestly, I thought it was Mastodon. Uh, it is Mastodon. I, yeah, I thought it was Mastodon only recently. It's been Mastodon for, for, like, years upon years. And, like, Diplodocus and Diplodocus, like, I've always said Diplodocus. Yeah, I think it is Diplodocus, but posh scientist people say Diplodocus to make them sound a bit more intelligent. Right, okay. You were talking about Lloyd Grossman then, because that is spot on who you just sounded like. The chef. The chef. He doesn't really talk about them. He doesn't put them <laughs> in his meals. He stops. We have some Diplodocus steaks. <laughs> Would you eat Diplodocus, even uh, though you're a vegan? Uh, only if it had a real nice ragu <laughs> with it. <laughs> we're getting well off track. <laughs> anyway, back to music news. Oh, uh oh, the notes are out. We're in trouble. Uh, William Shatner is releasing a Christmas <laughs> LP. Have you seen you this? You can't start with William Shatner. <laughs> He's releasing a Christmas LP. Oh, mate. It's called Shatner Claws. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which is awesome by itself. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Uh, and the songs, uh, it's your traditional Christmas classics. Oh, uh, you've got Jingle Bells. Which okay. is a duet with Henry Rollins. Oh, fantastic. That's so good. <laughs> oh, come Emmanuel with Rick Wakeman. <sighs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with Billy Gibbons. Silent Night featuring Iggy Pop. Oh, my uh, God. And Silver Bells with Ian Anderson of Jeffro Toll. Mate, you've made my day. Is that going to be out in time for Album of the Year, though? Will it well, be too late? Well, regardless of that, for our Christmas episode, that um, we're setting up a Patreon at the moment. And uh, for the Patreon people, we are going to be doing like uh, our favourite Christmas albums. So it's going to come out on Christmas Day. And hopefully... That'll be out in time for that, and we'll give that a good listen. It's got to be. That's going to be amazing. Oh. I, I love William Shatner's music. Like he did, he's already done like songs with Henry Rollins. Uh, the, the best being, I can't get behind that. Yeah, I think it's called that. I haven't listened to it for like a decade. Yeah, but it's called Shatner Claws. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that you brought that up as the first bit of news. That is the best bit of news for me. That's great. I had to resist texting you as soon as I saw it because I wanted to start to see your reaction live. That's brilliant. Oh, mate, um, I've gone all sweaty in, in anticipation. Right, that's enough of that. Okay. Um, in more serious new music, have you heard the new Un album? Who? Un, U-N. No. They are members of... Do you remember Samaphrace that I put on in... Yeah, yeah, Canterbury? yeah. Samaphrace, yeah. Uh, one of the members, Monty, from that. And it's their new album, Sentiment, which they call death metal or black metal on iTunes. But I can't see any death metal on it. But there's definitely elements of black metal. But it's also very, very long, drawn out, very... I'm trying to think of... I can't even express it. It's really good, though. Do you remember that band... USA out of Vietnam. Loved that, yeah, yeah. You got into and showed me. If yeah. you listen to that, but it's a bit more where they'd go on and be playing nice positive chords, this, out of nowhere, they just shove in like an angular, nasty sounding chord uh, and it's very long, drawn out, build up sort of songs. If you imagine the anchor by Ohms, but... Is it like the guitar sound? Is it like... A thick, sludgy sound, or is it quite bright and black metally? It's to start with. No, it's, it's neither really. Okay. It's um, to start with. It's very clean, picked strings, sort of thing, arpeggiated chords, and that sort of thing, with lead guitar and over the top of it. And then all of a sudden, it just like shoots into like um, sort of blackened doom, but without being on the crusty side. It's very nice and well produced. But then out of nowhere, you have these deep, proper death metal vocals as well not screams like low guttural you've got to listen to it all right i will i'll give that a go i I find that week after week now when we're doing this show that i'm finding less and less time to listen to like stuff i would normally just listen to yeah it's it's all just like for the show got the new um all them witches album and i've only managed to listen to about two minutes of it so i don't even feel properly qualified to talk it about it at the moment Another interesting one that came out this week. Uh, do you remember Greg, the guy from Dillinger Escape Plan? Yeah. His yeah. band's uh, Black Queen. Have you heard that? I heard the first record and I didn't like it. It was very synthy and, and I thought it was like... Yeah, oh, 80s yeah. synth pop vibe. I'd sort of put it up next to Tears for, Tears for Fears yeah. and Duran Duran. But without, certainly the new one, but without being as poppy. 
I did give it a miss because I didn't quite like the old one. I could see where he was going. I thought at, you though. would like this. Well, yeah. well, it is, but on paper, it's right up my street. It's just it didn't, it didn't sync with what I'm into, man. And it's a shame because uh, on paper, it's one of them bands that you think, oh yeah. So you like it in theory? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and the third album I want to talk about this week is the new. I don't know how you say it. Is it anal or anal? Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. Arnold? <laughs> I tell you, it's not Arnold. <laughs> Hello, I'm Arnold Nafrak. Yeah, Anal Nafrak. I like to say anal. Anal Nafrak, then. Uh, a new kind of horror. Fuck me, this is good. This is straight in at number one for me this year. <laughs> if something else beats this to my number one Jesus, album. Jesus, Dan, are you sure? So fucking far up my street i absolutely love it it's brutal but creative at the same time absolutely devastating album there's so much to it wow and i've only heard it through once like normally a band like this they start and it's like uh, uh yeah i know what this is and then it's just like the same level through the whole album it yeah. doesn't change so much this is up and down all over the place it gets to one point when there's even like uh judas priest rob halford style what, singing like, it. oh wow yeah, it's okay absolutely amazing if you've only heard a little bit of it you're not doing it justice you really need to Listen to the whole fucking thing. It's absolutely incredible. Well, coming back from um, the, the festival was at the weekend, I listened to just, I think it was the title track, the track or the track that they put out yeah. in, in advance. And I, w I have listened to the previous albums nonplussed, but this, like, it, it sounded like they were cocking guns. Yeah, like, it was mental. The amount of sounds all over it and like choral singing going straight into the harshest screams. And they're not, it's, Overproduced isn't the right word. For black metal, it sounds really good. Uh, for power violence, for crust, it sounds so thick and hard and well produced. But it doesn't sound overproduced. Like there's no like clicky drums or anything like that in it. Uh, yeah, I, I must admit this sort of music I'm never blown away by. But that one track, like I as soon as I heard it, not only did I comment, "Fucking hell, that's great," but I like went straight onto Spotify and put the album in. Like for a listen, so okay, I'm I'm gonna come back to you on that because I'm gonna give it a proper listen. If it's like a, in at number one for you, fucking hell, that's beat ghost. I tell you what though, what I found quite funny, we listened to it the first time. You're cocking guns, you're cocking guns as as part of the beat, which I thought was like great. And like I think MIA's done that before. I think it was on Paper Planes, but that was in more of a obviously a dance sort of way. This is like within this gnarliest, horriblest music. But then there's like a till at the end, like, <laughs> ding! And I thought, oh, okay, that's a cast register sound, I think. I don't know what oh, it was. Terrifying. Right. Such a dark album. Absolutely love it. Okay. Got some bad news for you, mate. Oh, no. Not more. Not more. No, no William Shatner's stopping this album coming out now? Machine Head has split up. Come on, I posted on my Facebook, like, I didn't realise they were still together. Yeah, they were sort of uh, part of, or they were sort of spearheading the new metal revival that started about a year ago. Did you not really get into that? Oh, shit, yeah, I did know they were still together because that album that came out... And it was fucking awful. Oh, it was. You, in fact, you made me listen to one of the songs from it and said, you got to listen to this. <laughs> uh, and I did, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. 
Like that is not up my alley at all. It was not. Yeah. Um, like two of the guys left apparently, and then they just decided to call it a day. But I'm not fussed. I I watched the Rob Flynn video that he put out, like explaining what had happened uh, with the band members leaving and things like that. And like that band is clearly the guy's life. So yeah, g- good on him for like um, being the way he is. And I know it might have cost him band members or whatever, but you've he's really followed his vision and it is his vision and like they have legions of fans the outpouring on the internet was like massive so what do i know you know it's just one of them bands that i don't really dig but i was shocked that they were still going i keep thinking they like split up every year like every time they release something like my feed gets filled up of hate like and like oh this is shit i can't believe they're still going what's the point but it doesn't stop them coming over. Anyway, that's my news for the week. That's what I've been up to. Okay. Anal nafrak. Well, yeah, for me this week, done not a lot. We Ohms played a festival. The best bit, of, apart from the actual gig itself, the best bit was coming home and listening to a load of new music. They put me in charge of a stereo while everyone's sleeping. And that's when I was, like, the first time I've had a chance to just wash over like all these new releases that have come out this year and straight in for me not number one but top 10 is a band right <laughs> it's a band called hardcore anal hydrogen okay i can't i i can't describe it oh in fact i'm gonna try and describe it they are like it seems to me properly classical trained musicians okay because what they pull out is insane it's taking early locust um first album locust is it i'm a slut a collection of hardcore anal sex it's not at all it's and i've got it area hardcore anal hydrogen it's called hypercut that's it that's the one that's the pretty bastard For, for those of you that know the locust and early Rolo Tomasi, there's that sort of thing going on. But then they infuse it with jazz, and then instead of, whereas, uh, whereas the Locust would, like, play with power violence, Hypercut, this album, is full of power violence. And it's just like, power violence is the basis, jazz is everything else around it. A lot of it's drum machine, or it sounds like it is. If it isn't, that drummer's just, I don't know, insane. But I initially thought when I heard it earlier on in the year, this, this could end up in my top 20. And I listened to it on the way home. And I had to listen to it again. And then the guys trying to get asleep must have been just like, oh, fuck off with this. Because as, as you know, like, arty, fast as fuck jazz is really hard to, to like... To fall asleep to. <laughs> to fall asleep to. But I tell you what, like, this band is something special. I can't recommend them enough. So, yeah, Hardcore Anal Hydrogen. Um, stupid, ridiculous name. Idiots. Well, I've just downloaded it, and I'm going to listen to that on the way home. Mate, it'll blow you away. You'll be like, fuck my old boots. This is a good year for music. I hope I'm having it. So, that was our week. Good week. Yeah, can we talk about Interpol Times now?
Interpol Times. What is it, Dan? What is Interpol Times? It's a fanzine made by, I think, led really by Dennis Merklinghouse and Emery Atkas of Scene Police Records. Now, do you know what came first? Because Scene Police started in 95, the record label, uh, by putting out that um, Couch Potatoes CD, I think it was a Couch Potatoes CD. And then they didn't do anything else until 98. So it was a long gap between that. So and that was the Hot Water and Rydell split seven inch. Yeah, Hot Water Music and Rydell was where I really came into like Scene Police Records, uh, which was 1998. Um, let's talk about Scene Police Records first then, because this is how me and you got to know the editor and the founder of this magazine. Um, M. Ray did the UK side of things. Yeah, that's right. With the label and the fanzine. And then Dennis was the, the German part of it. And my first ever contact with Dennis, like when I made Star Trek First Contact, I was in my bedroom playing Crash Bandicoot. And there was a, a phone call, picked it up. And it was Dennis uh, on the phone saying um, he really loved the uh, the record that we put together with Sun Factor and Rydell. The s- like split. A three-way split. Yep. Uh, well, of course he loved it. It was fucking amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. It was. And he asked uh, if I would be interested in like signing to Scene Police and putting out a record with them. And <laughs> I was just like... It, it was alien to me. It was like the... You know when you are in a band as a kid doing fuck all with your life and then you just would wish for that moment where like a record label will go, I've heard you, I think you're great, sign with us. That was that moment. And I remember putting the phone down and calling you up and calling, (laughs) oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And uh, yeah, and that, that was what started this great relationship. So the band we were in was called Baby Three. Um, I'm going to play you a track right now. Enjoy.
So that was me and Dan in our band, Babies 3. What are your memories? What's your first memories of seeing police? Can you remember? Uh, just, yeah, being in your bedroom up in Westgate. Uh, but it was before we'd come around for band practice. And you said, oh, we're going on tour. And it was like, fuck me, we're going on tour. That's something that real people do with Sun Factor and Rydell. Brilliant. Never heard of them. And also, Dave is part of, Dave from Rydell is part to do with Scene Police as well. And he wants to put out a split seven inch. No, it was a CD, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. It was a split CD, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then my first memory was then going on tour uh, in Germany a year later and actually meeting Dennis for the first time. And I loved him straight away it was such a funny loving and the way he looked after us on tour obviously being a bunch of kids who didn't know what we were doing he took time off work to come round with us and yeah make sure we got everywhere safely and didn't get too drunk in fact I remember driving back after the first gig through the middle of nowhere uh, and being really hammered and just sort of waking up blasting along <laughs> really quickly and just looking at a, across and he was just like completely calm belting through the pitch black couldn't see where we were going we were driving I remember that fucking night because it was proper scary like <clears throat> so we had a, a base in Bonn I That's think it right, was Bonn, Bonn yeah. and we were like so every single night of the tour even if it was like an eight hour journey to this place where we were playing the next day um, we would always end up back <laughs> at Bonn a really bad way of touring but yeah, it meant there were some hairy journeys. But like uh, Dennis was a, a trooper, and like you're right, I was always up front with him, like trying to stay awake. And of course, I couldn't. But like I would wake up, and like I remember one time, probably that very same first night, and it, we were burning around some going down a mountain. That's right. right. And it was like the thin roads, and he was proper going for it. <laughs> and like uh, at one point, he just slammed on the brakes. And was like, oh, so we, like we all like, whoa, what, what, what's up, what's up? And it wasn't like he almost had a crash or anything. He'd spotted a deer. That's right. And he just wanted to look at this deer. <laughs> it's like fucking hell. Like, oh, so yeah, early memories of Dennis. Like, what, what a sound guy. And like, he didn't have to put us up. He meant that that tour we didn't lose like any money. It was just, it was one of those perfect times in your life growing up. Yeah? And, and like the fact that we got invited over to Germany to tour as well. And like when we would play these gigs, because of him, people had heard our records and things and knew where to, to dance and sing along and stuff. It was great. Like what, what a bloody guy. And, you know, myself, Dennis and you all have something in common. What's that? We've all got the same tattoo. Dennis got oh, it the yeah, first time we were there. Yeah. Uh, and it's a straight edge tattoo, not that we're straight edge. And I don't think Dennis is anymore. But it's a circle with a heart in it and then two hammers crossed the, across it. So it looks a bit like a West Ham sort of logo <laughs> as well. But that's one of my favourites, right on my chest. Okay, so yeah, I got my, my one done for free on one of our early tours, I remember. And it was like this tattoo artist who's now one of the best in the world. And I really can't... Uh, remember your surname i'm so sorry but his name's steve and like he's now like world-renowned tattooist as is tom hooper tom hooper yeah who had an early uh sort of link with our band and um, because he put us on in hastings i think yeah I about three or four times and we stayed over his flat once as well yeah yes. and he did a photograph that ended up being on the inside cover of 
Hole in My Heart Should Be, of a dead bird, which was released on Scene Police. Yeah, man. That was... Connections. Connections. We're doing, we're doing good connect here. Well, yeah, so f- let's talk a little bit about Scene Police Records itself before we get into the magazine. So, yeah, started in 95, that's where my research starts, because of, of course, the Couch Potatoes and the link with Dave, who's then, then in Rydell. Uh, and it finished in 03, so it wasn't like a massive time span uh, and like I've written down here a few of my favourite releases so you've got the classic Hot Water Music slash Rydell 7 inch we're going to play a little bit of the Rydell song now Within the UK emo scene, they'd started to build up this sort of reputation of being like um, like the, that true emo sound from like the, where, where it began in DC sort of thing, rather than the, the more modern sound. Sun Factor, who was the other band on this three-way EP that we did uh, with them, it was Rydell, Sun Factor and Us, Baby 3. But Sun Factor were more of that American sound. Yeah, they were like the Get Up Kids, Jimmy Eat Weld, DJ Junie sort of sound, weren't they? Exactly that. And then you had Us, which were sort of like putting a bit more hardcore in. So it was a bit more Boy Sets Fiery. Yeah, a bit heavier. Definitely heavier. Uh, yeah, so that was a great... If you've got that EP, and I remember listening to Frank Turner on Radio 1, like someone was interviewing him. I think that Scottish um, DJ lady, whatever her name is, Edith Bowman. Carol maybe? Vorderman. Carol Vorderman was interviewing him. And he's he was asked, what, what what's one of your favourite albums of all time like that, that sort of got you into the music that you're into? And he went, well, there was this three-way split on Scene Police Records. And it had <laughs> Babies 3 on it and it had Sun Factor on it. And some other band, I can't remember, he said... <laughs> I'll never forget that. I was like, oh, he mentioned us on Radio 1. That's nice. Uh, but yeah, like, I remember Miles, the singer from Rydell, being mightily pissed off. <laughs> As you would be. <laughs> he couldn't remember who they were. But yeah, so that that was a, a good thing. The, the standout album for me, of course, would be Baby's Free, Hole Your Heart Should Be. Awesome album. What a great record we made. First time I realised I was truly a rock star. Yeah, man. That, that was a great time in our lives we recorded it for uh probably like 130 quid or something <laughs> like that and it was uh, it was sounded so awful we didn't know what mastering was so we didn't bother mastering it and i remember like we we went into uh the very first night of a tour the, the box uh, so we went all the way over to germany met dennis met elka uh, his partner at the time and we were like um 
hi. <laughs> and he was like, hi, I've got a box for you. We opened the box and it's all our records oh, in yeah. that box. Instantly put it on and it like it one of the songs cut in too quick, I remember slightly, and then it sounded a bit weird. And it's because we hadn't mastered it. And Dennis said, Have you guys mastered this? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. I had no idea what mastering was. And do you remember on the spine it said the baby's tree instead of the baby's three? <laughs> and we were all too polite to say anything. Yeah, baby's tree. Oh, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you know what that that was again like another notch of one of the best moments of like my early youth growing up the first time that needle hits the record of your of something that's got your name on it and yeah what a great moment that was um so that that record means so much to me it's like the very first thing where i really did put all my heart and soul into to like recording there's a couple of other bands i want to talk about on the label uh, Craving, they're a band that I really dug. Now that they only had one seven inch, and unfortunately, um, that there is no trace of this band apart from uh, like one of their first seven inches, which is on YouTube, but it's not on the same place, so we're not going to put it here. But they started off like really noisy, and then they brought in like Jesus lizard influences. Um, it's called Comparable Traces, and that came out in year two thousand. Next up is a band that I think Daniel wants to say a little bit about. Yeah, my absolute favourite thing on the record label, um, Hunter Gatherer. Hunter Gatherer, Low Standards for High Fives, again, came out in 2000. I love this album. And having a massive ego, there's a little connection to us as well. So one of the songs, apparently um, Hunter Gatherer already had A Hole Where My Heart Should Be and absolutely loved it. And it was what they played... Well, they were playing PlayStation and chilling out during that summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. on one of their songs, the first riff, just out of nowhere, is... Oh, man, which is like... like oh, that And it's is... like, it just does once and then just goes into a normal song. Uh, You're too right, yeah, I remember lovely. that. Yeah, absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, and they later had a split with Rydell, which I didn't love as much. But what a solid band. If you imagine... Hot water music, but a bit more smiley. Yeah, I put them on at the Lido, I think. It did, and I saw them with Tupameros in Florida. And that's another Fucking hell. Another beautiful memory of uh, Dennis. Uh, he was on the phone uh, walking around talking to someone. I was just sitting on the curb in the sunshine in Florida with my old girlfriend Claire, just waiting for him to get off the phone and being so excited. Like, I'm here in Florida, like fucking thousands of miles away from the last time I saw you. Uh, and bumped into him and was like, yo, how you doing? And he gave me the biggest hug and lifted me like two <laughs> foot off the floor. Uh, then we, yeah, we hung out in Florida for a good few hours and he gave me a Tupameros t-shirt to take home. Uh, do you know, yeah, I was well jealous of that. I remember you saying when you got back and like you, you saw a gig out there as well. The only gig I've ever seen in America was uh, Dinosaur Junior and it was so disappointing. Like it was in the House of Blues. Like I'd love to have gone to like a... A less corporate sort of place. Oh, I saw, saw hot water music in downtown. Uh, it wasn't even Kissimmee. It was downtown Orlando, I think. Jesus. But like proper Ghetto. city of Orlando, yeah. And that was amazing. My dad came along and watched as well. How often do you go and see hot water music with your dad? Uh, uh, well, I've seen a few gigs with your dad. Not with mine. <laughs> so, yeah, this is... Uh, this. Oh, do you know what? I, I know we've played a couple already. But we've got to play some Hunter Gatherer. 
Play the one with our bit on. I don't know what that is. And I don't know if it's there. It is. All right, this is... <laughs> this is Hunter Gavara. that you loved on Scene Police but I could never really latch on to and I think it was the production was Lack yeah Lack they, they were one of the uh, the sort this is when Scene Police was branching out a little bit like it was very heavier at the driving I thought and a lot of the kids around our scene were into this without that link to us so, like, the Canterbury, like, contingent... Yeah, it found its own way over. It wasn't us shouting yeah, about it. Yeah, which which was... I thought, you know, I'm the bee's knees. I know all about this stuff. And then all of a sudden, people are saying to me, have you heard of Lack? And I'm like, fucking hell, they're, they're getting big. And then I remember reading about them in Kerrang! as well. So, like, scene police had started to, like, creep over here. But then, before you know it, 2003, there was that, like, that post on, like, the, the forums... Like we used to scroll uh, on the early days of the internet, saying that they're they're giving up. But the great thing about it, when they did give up, there was all this other stuff to discover. So there was all these records that I hadn't discovered, and then of course Interpol Times, the fanzine, which I hadn't been looking at and didn't even know was part of Scene Police. Um, it started before Scene Police. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. So I didn't know it existed, but there was this wealth of material. And, like, these weren't thin fanzines, were they? They they were thick. And so, like, you can't read it in a week. Like, I, I, I would take many, many baths to be able to read this. Um, and it would survive them as well. It's good, solid paper on there. Yeah, good stock, isn't it? I, I spoke to Dennis earlier. And I said, you know, that's great quality, very nice, thick paper. Was it expensive to print? And he said... Nope, got it done by our friend. Not that expensive. Oh, man. And that, that's a real thing that you pick up from this as well, like the sense of community. Um, Dennis sent you a message, didn't he? Yeah, I messaged him after that. He said, tell me some fun facts about Interpol Times for the podcast. Uh, and here was his reply. OMG, 
where to begin. So he's down with the youth still. Yeah, dad, definitely down with the youth. He's not a dad. Started on copy machine. He is a dad. He's got two kids. Is he? Yeah. But he's can't... using that term, that street <laughs> slang. Started on a copy machine where I used to work in Washington, D.C. to piss off vegans and straight edges. Emery and I were the only straight edge punks that we knew. Originally, Interpol Times came out of a comic I drew in high school. We were stationed in Ankara and I went to the American school. Three Americans, four Turks and me as a German, Armenian, Turk started Ankara shit skates. I drew the comic. In it, we were pursued by Interpol, uh, the international police. <laughs> okay, right, got it. In an aeroplane, Interpol was spying in us behind an issue of Interpol Times. Uh, I get it. So it was using a, a magazine called Interpol Times to spy on them. A few years later, when I started the zine, I thought that would be a perfect name for it. By the way, issue three or so had a cover of a punk and a skinhead beating up a Nazi, drawn by me, with the header, Scene Police, cleaning up your scene. So a few years later, as we were looking for a name to release our first CD, Sable and Tumult said, why don't you call yourself Scene Police, like on your cover? So that there proves it from the horse's mouth that Scene Police label came way after the magazine. When I said to you last week, can we just do this? And like, there was no way I could do it as my choice just on my own like I was going to because I'd started reading it and I was getting nowhere. It's so thick. It's so dense, full of interesting shit. It's, it's not puff in any way. Like, and what gets me about it is the passionate writing. Like, did you look at the review section? Did you see how many records... Like that, he had to listen to. Like he's like one of almost my a thousand. Yeah, uh, Kid Rock by DPM Dennis P. Merklinghouse. Total fucking crap. <laughs> <laughs> Was that his like full review? Yep, pretty much. And then lots of ha 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 ha. Yeah, well that that's the thing. Like there is some some great stuff on here. Dan, let's go with what you picked up first of all, uh, as you got the first half of the uh, fanzine to talk about. I did. About. We chopped it in the middle. So this is the serial murder issue number 14. First thing that I pick up on is the front cover, the art by Lars Henkel, who also did lots of the stuff for Scene Police, including our album, A Hole Where My Heart Should Be. Uh, I assume it's Charlie Manson on the front cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all the way through when it gets to talking about uh, each different serial killer and giving little anecdotes, there's brilliant artwork by Lars of, it is like the best artwork. Did you look up what he's doing now? No. You go on Facebook, just put in Lars Henkel, and he's still going like full colour now. You know, like he was very sparse on his colour. Like he put in some like uh, sort of camera washes more than washes of yeah. green maybe or grey, but like really earthy colours. Didn't want any colour. Now it's like vibrant and stuff, but not comicy. So yeah, like. That's what se separates this from any other fanzine, I think, is just Dennis and um, Emre's choice of using Lars for the art. Uh, the first thing I opened, opening the first page there, obviously being Dennis's thing, is a big scene police advert. And I still have every single thing on that page. Wilbur Cobb 7-inch, Impact Winchester 7-inch, it's all good stuff. April 7-inch, that was brutal. The April 7-inch is one of the uh, first time I heard hardcore influence metal. 
yeah. like in that that gnarly way, uh, like the actual metalcore, as I would initially think metalcore is metalcore. Looking for these things on eBay, they are few and far between. Mm, things like, like uh, do you remember that bands I used to love, Nyari? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Jane bands like that. Like you say, this is the first time it's it's hardcore music, but it sounds heavy as fuck, almost like death, almost. It's it's what I would say is that I think the reason why you can't find them isn't because they've been lost over time or whatever and not repressed. I just think that people have got them, want to keep it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and they wouldn't have been that many. There were probably only like a couple of thousand pressed in the first place. It's yeah. Not like they're ending up in uh, bargain bins anywhere. Uh, there's a little bit at the bottom that says about our split coming soon as well. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay, that's that's cool. Then we go into column pages, which is, again, there's a lot of big, big chunks by each writer, including Dennis and Emre, about their views on serial killers and mass murderers. It really starts to get good, though, when you get to the letter pages and Dennis's personality springs straight out at you. Literally every letter <laughs> for the first five or six is someone slagging off Dennis for what he's put in previous <laughs> issues, like anti-straight-edge stuff, interviewing a hardliner, that sort of thing. Like People are like, what the fuck have you put this in for? Uh, and he's just like, don't like it, don't read it, fuck off, basically. Uh, yeah, fanzine is like a personal thing. Yeah. Like Just because it's like pro-looking and thick as fuck doesn't mean like he can't voice his own opinion. That's what the whole point of it is. Yeah, it's almost a British self-deprecating sense of humour. Like he's lately done it on purpose because he doesn't give a fuck. Like I, I remember uh, talking about the straight edge thing. This was with two Pomeros when we put them on in the ship in of all places. Oh yeah, and I was straight edge for all of two weeks. It was a boring time. It was terrible. I couldn't relate to you. And I just thought I'm going to give this a go and. Somebody, I think Dennis, said, I said, can I have some water? And then somebody gave me, uh, or put it on like one of the speaker stacks, like a glass of water, had it, and it was a double vodka. And <laughs> I think, I said to De Dennis, oh man, I can't believe that I just did that. All he did was laugh and said, so what? And then we get into the meat and two veg of the magazine. First one, which uh, is a pretty big band now, at the drive-in. Uh, and it's a really, I don't want to use the word childish, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> but but what? But what, Dan? It's all silly questions like, first of all, your name and age, which is obviously Omar and Cedric. What's your favourite colour? Omar blue, Cedric clear. Food, question mark. Omar, Thai, Cedric, enchiladas with green sauce, no meat, no chicken, just cheese. Cereal, question mark. Omar, <laughs> gold crispies, Cedric, peanut butter and Captain Crunch. Uh, yeah, and it just goes on like this with just one word as the question. It's almost like they're taking the piss out of them. Or they didn't realise that they were going to go on to be <laughs> fucking massive and they might have asked them something a bit deeper. Um, towards the end, they come to a few more things like uh, which historical person would you like to meet if you had the possibility to do so? Uh, and Cedric says, 
Fidel Castro and or Che Guevara. Yeah, it just seems like given the chance to talk to at the drive-in now... It's a wasted opportunity, Yeah, really. you'd have asked them a lot more. Do you know what? I had a, a sort of band call with Dennis at one point about, like, if we can rearrange our European tour, we can support at a drive-in. And, of course, they weren't nobody at the time, but I'd still sort of heard of In Casino Out um, sort of coming out. And it was like, oh, okay, let's try and sort this out. Maybe we can. And unfortunately, we couldn't. But what an experience that would have been. What, getting blown away every night. <laughs> That's a good point. We we didn't even have tuners with us. <laughs> so we didn't know what we were doing. Oh, God, do you remember that? Yeah, we'd stand on stage and say, give me an E. Yeah, it was just like that. That was true hardcore punk, that was. They would have looked at us like, what the fuck? So instead, our tour, like every single date that we were on, you would see that last week at the drive-in were there. And it's like, oh. Damn it. Then we have a much better, more in-depth uh, interview with Avail, who we love. Loved Avail. Much more in-depth, done by Jan and Martin. Uh, we know Martin. We met him in Germany. He drove around uh, shows with us when Dennis couldn't make it on the second tour. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. Lovely fellow. And it's a very politically charged interview. They don't really talk much about the music, but it's all about the politics of uh, Bill Clinton. And even back then, because this is even before the Twin Towers came down, how Americans are starting to look at Middle Eastern or Arabic people as terror terrorists and have that sort of general distrust starting to come in. Avail were always like on the political edge, like oh, yeah, singing their songs about like the, the political climate in Richmond, where they were from and things like that. It was very, very politically charged records. But that, that, do you remember that album, 4am Friday? Love it. Oh, man. That, that is worth doing a podcast about just on its own. What a record that is. It's one of those records that from beginning, uh, first song, put the needle on that record. Then by the time you flipped it over and on you're on the last song, like there's not been a, a song wasted, no filler. <clears throat> there's well, it's 4am Friday. And what's the one with Over the James on it? It's called Over the James, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. It's called Over the James, and the song is called Scuffle Town. That's it, yeah. So both those albums, for me, are 10 out of 10. Yeah. And I don't understand how Avail didn't become massive. That's a really good point, because they, they did tick a lot of both boxes. In the hardcore scene, and in the they fitted in the pop-punk scene on your fat records sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're right. And also... It must have been a conscious decision. Uh, what? To, are you drunk? No, I don't drink. A, a conscious decision. A conscious decision. There was, I saw them at London in a, pl a tiny little venue called the Red Eye. And it was the first time, and I've just realised, just now thinking about it, I ripped off his move. So he would sing along and the, the beat would be so swinging, this is the singer, that he'd be doing the Frank Sinatra clicking and swinging along with it. And I've just realised that's where I've ripped that off from. And, like, once you start that, you can't stop. If the beat is that swinging, like, you can't stop. And it was the first time I ever saw it happen. And then they had this other guy with, like, the massive beard. Yeah, just like the bez of the band. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly right, that. And uh, I don't know, that gig was, like, at the time, I said to who I was with that that was the best gig I've ever seen, except Nirvana. So, yeah. I saw him on the fucking Docklands Light Arena. 
horrible place, and it was like one of those punk all day things. Oh no way! Yeah. That, oh, was it uh, Warped when that came? I think it might have been Warped. Yeah, right. Boy Sets Fire on it, and Pennywise, and a few other people like that. And I remember being in the front row for Vale, and I couldn't wait. And I thought everyone would be crammed in behind me, and it would be like a mega mosh pit. Yeah. But it was probably like me and ten other people who knew the songs, fingers in the air, pointing, singing along. And everyone else was just sort of milling about. And I was like, why aren't these people into this? Uh, and I remember the singer, I can't remember his name, like obviously recognising well that there's people thousands of miles away from home that are into a Vale, yeah, yeah. uh, and pointing down and putting the microphone up to you like they do and that sort of thing oh man that sounds awesome and then i bumped into nathan gray from boy sets fire right outside and said oh hello mate uh we supported you back when you played in the underworld the underworld yeah, about yeah, yeah. a year ago and he was really nice and shook hands and said oh how are you doing what are you up to and had a good like where was two this minutes, uh, docklands wow. light arena man i wish i'd been there that like, I don't care when, like, I, I feel bad for the bands, but I feel good for myself when there's loads of room and like, other people aren't really interested. I feel like it's <laughs> it's my own personal gig. Yeah. But, yeah, being in a band, <laughs> that's horrible when, like, no one's interested. There's an interview with Boy Sets Fire in here as well. Okay, did you read that one? I didn't, but I am going to, so you're not having this baby back. Just All right, to... fair enough. That, but I think that, like, with Boy Sets Fire, with... At the drive-in and avail, those interviews are proper big bands. Yeah, they got they were like before the crest of the wave there, weren't they? Yeah, so like Interpol Times, it's like whether it's a fluke of that's just who that came through, or whether they really did have their sort of uh, ears to the oh yeah punk completely rock. yeah they're just rooted in the scene completely anything that was going on in the punk hardcore sort of scene they knew what was going on. Well, yeah, just looking from the amount of records that they got sent in that, that review section is madness. Yeah, anything else you got from your first half? Just a couple of little bits. Again, another silly interview with uh, Dharma, because it's a serial killer episode. They're a power violence band. All oh, right, okay. Uh, and again, it's silly questions like, would you eat a human? Would you kill someone? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> Which they must have loved. Yeah. And then a huge, like the, the centrepiece uh, article uh, about serial killers and it gives like little first is a breakdown of what makes up a serial killer like if you ever listen to last podcast on the left you know the the sort of thing uh and then specific case studies on serial killers uh really cool well-written piece i don't know if i'd go to a punk scene punk fanzine to find out about serial killers but well, it was there there so. was a bit yeah I, so yeah listening to those podcasts and like claire um my wife, for those of you, I must have mentioned it a thousand times, so I won't say. But Claire, she uh, she listens to uh, my favourite murder. So like, so that's that podcast. Then you've got the last podcast on the left, and they they this true crime and murder and serial killer and cult stuff is massive on the podcast scene. Uh, if you're like me and only listen to music podcasts, then it outshines it by miles. Well, anyway, one thing that I took from this magazine that I've already picked up from being in the same room as Claire, there's this chap called Joel Norris, and he says there's six phases to being a serial killer. So this is cycle. So I'm going to run through them quickly, and if you've, you know anyone with this, right, you know, watch out. The first phase is called the aura phase, and that's where the killer begins losing his grip or her grip, normally his grip, on reality. Second is the trolling phase, 
Right, now I thought trolling. Going right. on the internet, taking the mickey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that. It's when the killer searches for his victim. Uh, I'm going to say his because it's nine times out of ten him. Uh, the wooing phase is number three, and that's when the killer lures the victim in. Phase number four is the capture phase, where the victim is entrapped. Five is the murder totem phase, which uh, clearly is uh, when there's a bit of stabbing and killing going on. And then finally, it's six, and this is a weird one. It's called the depression phase, uh, which occurs after the, the killing's taken place. So now like, oh, actually, that didn't satisfy my need, or the high is gone. And if you approach this magazine with that, like it made everything else make sense. So before I gave you the magazine, I just like got tucked into that serial killer bit. And I think that's really interesting because like normally you would get that sort of thing in a column, wouldn't you, in a fanzine, mm. like Maximum Rock and Roll or something, but not on Interpol Times. Oh no, it's like a massive section and like the front cover. And then you've got Lars Henkel doing all the artwork about all these serial killers. It's just something else. Like uh, Emre and Dennis have just gone the extra mile with it. So if you're into that sort of stuff, like to be getting that at this time in my life when I was younger, it was like, that's weird. They're a bit freaky, but really, I just want to know what Boy Sets Fire up to. <laughs> Fair enough. Review section was amazing in this. Like oh. I say, there was so much stuff. Uh, one jumped out at me, uh, and I'm going to go into it a little bit. But it's one of the things that turns me into who I am. One of the big things. I'd broken up with a girlfriend, Kitty. And while we were together, we'd used her dad's credit card. Oh, no. <laughs> Already. To buy smack. No, to buy a load of records from No Idea. And one of the records that I didn't want to buy, but turned up as a freebie, was a sampler called Back to Donut, and I hadn't thought about it for years, but it's reviewed in this, and it's so many good bands on it. It's a 33-track compilation from No Idea, which is why, obviously, they sent it in. But I loved most of it. Coalesce, in particular, blew me away, just started Is that where you first heard of Coalesce? Yeah, I remember, because Kitty didn't want to see me, so you just left it all on the porch outside. <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to get my little bag of CDs, uh, and driving back on the way home, I remember I was driving really slowly as well so that the journey would take a long time and I could listen to music loud while I was driving along. And I think Coalesce was like, or Coalesce as it is, uh, should, was the fourth song. And as, as soon as it started, what more do you want from me? It was like, fuck, this oh, yeah, is those, the way forward. Those vocals are so gravelly. Uh, that was my favourite, but then there was other bands on there that I fell in love with, like Small Brown Bike, Combat Wounded Veteran, Grade... Hot Water Music, Left for Dead, Panthro UK United 13, Reversal of Man, The Swarm, 12-Hour Turn. It just <laughs> fucking goes on. I loved every one of these bands. And in a way, I see Scene Police as like the European version of No Idea Records because they were sort of linked, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And in, also in the same way that they didn't stick to one genre. They would put out whatever the fuck they wanted. I can't remember Scene Police doing a, a comp CD, though. Can you? No. No. They missed a trick there. I guess it's quite expensive, and like no idea was um, bigger, but because but, you have to give these things away pretty much or sell them at a ridiculously low price. 
But yeah, I do remember you having that uh, donut CD. Well, it worked because I must have spent about a grand <laughs> on <laughs> records just off that. Thinking, right, what's next on the list? I've got to get that. Totally suckered me in. Well, I, because it was my half of the magazine, like pretty much was all reviews. And there was so many. So what I wanted to do was like listen to these albums all the way through. So I've had a lot of late nights. And as I say, coming home from the festival during the week, I got to listen to a few of these as well. So Against All Authorities, All Fall Down LP. Now, I had this when it came out. On cassette? No, I had it on CD. Okay, so I had it on cassette. You had it on CD. I went with Chris Bress. Uh, We've talked about him before for sure. Uh, to land, uh, Landon, I went Landon with him, and we went to the Camden Underworld, and they were playing. That wasn't Chris. That was me. Fuck off, was it you? It was against all authority and falling sickness. Fucking hell, we, it was you then. Of course, it was me. Oh. And we went because we didn't go to Reading that year. Yeah, and Chris there was no Bruce, one there. Are you sure? Because Chris Bress, I remember being like with a good-looking guy. Let's get on to the next thing. <laughs> As it turned out. It was Daniel. I can't believe you don't remember me being there. I don't remember you being there. I remember it being Chris Bress. Maybe Chris was there as well and we went as a threesome. No. But I was definitely there. Mate. Against all authority and falling sickness. It was fucking empty. Yeah, that's it. It was all right, It was definitely you. I'm going to be um, like four apologies sending your way. Because it was at the same time as Reading Festival, like... No fucker was there, and Reading Festival had the warped tent at that time. Yeah. So like anyone that was going to go to see Against All Authority, which is like this punk band with a spattling of scar, um, they they would be at Reading. So it was me and you, and probably twenty others, maybe. If that. Oh mate, it was it was sad to see, but what I do remember was the band were like not non plus. They were just like kicking it, like really, really giving it their all. But I still remember me and you leaving going, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> should have gone to Reading. Yeah, maybe we should have gone to Reading. Yeah, and I, I remember that was the first time that I'd gone to a gig. So I, I'm very vague on this, so I can't even remember who I went with. But I remember that being the first time I went to a gig where thinking, like, this is a London gig and no one's here. Like, everyone is human. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just, it was a real big, like, oh, hang on. Music industry isn't all like, like amazing. Like I felt really bad for the band that day. Yeah, thinking they'd come from America and play to no one yeah, yeah. in London, which you would expect to be packed. Yeah, You'd hope that would be like the highlight of your tour, wouldn't you? That's not like the album was shit. It's just that we were in that zone right now where any any band that would come in across, and we weren't going to Reading, so we were just like, let's go, let's go. Oh, say Ferris are playing this week. Let's go and see them. You know, didn't matter. Yeah, sorry, Chris Bress. Uh, mixed you up with Daniel there. Uh, so, household name. And another thing, like being right in a fanzine, you get a ton of free records sent to you, right? So, like, I imagine household name records, uh, the London label, sent him a stack of stuff. I chose a couple of things. Now, one of them is one of mine, Daniel's very favourite records of all time. So, we're not going to go into it too much because we're definitely going to talk about this later on in the podcast, but Canvas's self-titled album. Oh, my goodness. So Dennis says here uh, that this is 10 songs of intense metalcore, none of that Belgium shite. And I love how he says shite and bollocks. 
like <laughs> in all these reviews. Like he like really adopts the English language. And I asked him once, how did you learn English? Because it's so good. And he said it was just from watching MTV. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, mad. But the one I do want to talk about, I can't talk about Canvas because me and Dan will be here all day and it'll be a two-hour podcast minimum. Hard to swallow. Projected by the ejaculation of serpents. Not listen, as good as Canvas, but fucking brutal. Mate, listen to this. Come on, I'll knock your head off! That was a whole hard to swallow song um, from Projected, uh, protected by the ejaculation of the serpents. Now, I first heard of this one when I got a Fracture and it was in the adverts there. And I just loved the sound of that title. Uh, so I bought it. And when it came through, I wasn't really uh, knowledgeable of power violence and like really short metal songs before. And it was like far less punk and hardcore it was like the metal things like but really quick and yeah hard to swallow were just like oh they're from england i like they're part of like the bradford scene i remember when yeah. we played bradford like there was like tons of hard to swallow posters about and things like that and they came and played at the cardinals cap in canterbury as well did they yeah was i there i imagine so it was probably chris press <laughs> so yeah dennis says here it's worth listening to it's not for the weak so like, I sort of think he's a bit nonplussed with that one. Right, Cap Down was the third one for Household Name. And it's their Time for a Change Signal. Signal, yep. And his, his, I love his little comment here, just like you said earlier. So this one is, I don't like this at all. I'm sorry, Lil. Now, Lil is the, the guy that sent him all this stuff from Household Name Records. And I just think, what a lovely little touch, like just apologising to him. Yeah, I didn't like Cap Down either. Uh, well, you know, I think they've reformed. Yeah, they did play recently. Yeah. yeah. So this is a weird one, right? Mineral. Now, I would say, for me, it's one of my favourite emo albums of all time. It's like a benchmark album when it comes to emo. Definitely. End Serenading. This come, comes out on Crank. This is his review, word for word. Utter- Ian... If you're listening, put your fingers in your ears. Yeah, this is going to hurt, Ian. He says, utter shit. That's what this is. I can't listen to it more than two minutes before I go up my walls. It totally makes me aggressive. 
It's slower than that old bag with the trolley, spelt T-R-O-L-L-I, trying to get over the crossing. And whiny. And damn, this is bad. I'm so happy they broke up. <laughs> <laughs> now that, like, I, in one of my early fanzines, like, I tended to do a fanzine every bloody uh, month with a different title, just like so inspired by the hardcore and emo and uh, underground scene. And uh, one of my, I got a stack of stuff from this American label. Uh, their premier band was a band called Yellow Card. And I gave it a full page review of how much I hated it and why. <laughs> Thinking that I was, you know, doing the proper journalistic thing. Little, And I, of course, they paid me as also put an advert in the fanzine and everything oh, like really? that. Yeah. And like, I didn't know that if like someone pays you for advertising, you shouldn't be that horrible <laughs> <laughs> and I was ripping this band yellow card a new one just like this is so derivative of like and I, I remember the one quote actually was like saying that if their inspiration is this band and this band and this band how did they get it so wrong anyway in my inbox because email was around at that time I got a long letter back a long email back from the record label just saying I will never send you money again I'm really disappointed that you've let us down like that. No. And I was like, oh, man. It was like, oh, right, okay. So <laughs> I'm not playing the game right. And like, I just see, like, Dennis here just not giving a fuck what anybody thinks. Just like, you send me that. If I don't like it, bang. It's in there like that. My great find from this, there was another band called Ten Foot Pole. I'm not going to talk about them. They're okay. But the one that I really picked up on, Dan, and the one that made the car journey along with that... Um, anal band that I talked about earlier the slackers now you must remember them from the give them the boot comp yeah I had this album as well oh did you yeah it's so good like traditional scar yeah, slow old school yeah definitely soulful beautiful it, it might as well have come out in like the early 70s late 60s definitely it's so good uh, it's by the slackers it's called the question of course it's on Hellcat um and I don't know what else to say. Like every track, like if you listen to any like the old Trojan Scar, you know, like a, a song will just start with a drum roll in and then the song begins. And this happens with every song on the Slackers album. They're taking it dead serious. It's taking me onto a path where I'm now, I've, I've gone onto eBay and I've bought some Slackers vinyl. Oh, really? I'm that impressed with it. Uh, so this, I'm just so happy that I got this section of the magazine to, <laughs> yeah, review. when I was reading through it, I was like, oh, bollocks. Cause I had the choice to do the first bit. Of the last bit. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. should have done this bit. There's so much stuff here. Oh mate, there, there was so like, it, I can't even remember what, um, Dennis said about, about it, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, it is really ace. So if you are thinking, do you know what? I am so balls deep with all this heavy nonsense. I've been listening to hardcore, anal, whatever they were called, uh, and Daniel's made me listen to anal Nathrock. Uh, I've had enough. Where can I go? The Slackers and the question on Hellcat. Uh, there's one more little uh, review that I noticed. I don't know if you picked up on it. Go but on. Sleep Jerusalem is on there, which is Dope Smoker, basically. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. All that time ago... We could have been, because that's obviously quite a big thing in our scene. That's like a legendary album. We could have been listening to Dope Smoker for 20 years. 
I, yeah, I, I think that I all the it, time, like yeah. how old that is. I, I knew it was that old, but I never had put it into context that, fuck, that's actually when it was out, when we were running around wearing skinny T-shirts <laughs> with hot water music on it. And that existed, and we didn't know, and it, but it was there. I remember, not them, Dennis mentioned in that review, I think he mentioned that it's not as gnarly as I hate God. And um, I remember... I think it was like James Thomas and Chris Bress again. So like some some guys within our scene that had sort of split off and got to the more crusty, the more heavier side of things. Uh, and I remember James like going on about I Hate God. And I gave him a listen and it was like, well, this is just too sloppy and gnarly yeah. and nihilistic for me. That's the, what I was going to say. If I'd have heard Sleep then, I probably would have told it to fuck off. Yeah, I don't think I was prepared. Yeah, I would have still been listening to the slackers wanting a bit of happiness. Yeah, I Avail, agreed. uplifting, you know, positive, hardcore, not slowing down, getting stoned. Certainly wouldn't have had a had a bong. <laughs> Say that again? I certainly wouldn't have had a bong. Well, um, Dan, I tell you, my end, the end result for this whole thing here is that I really miss fanzines like this uh, I was thinking about it this week like I miss having a personal experience with the editor like I, I understand you can't do this sort of thing in magazines and that's why fanzines existed and I know now that the computer world has taken over and everyone's got a blog everyone's got a website everyone's got an opinion on Facebook I get it times have changed they are different times literally but I really do miss this sort of thing. I wish uh, that there was more of it today. Like, and I, I know there's still fanzines about, uh, but there, there is. It wasn't just nostalgia for this because I know I'd read this like a few years after it came out anyway, and then I've read it this week as well. It's brilliant. It really is brilliant. I wish. I really wish this sort of thing was still going. So Interpol times for me. Uh, if you can get yourself a copy, I very much doubt you can, but if you can get yourself a copy on like eBay or something, do yourself a favour and do it. Dan, what do you think about it in, in general? Yeah, absolutely love it. Like you say, I miss the hand. It's almost like, you know, when we say I would rather get it on vinyl because you've got, got it to hold in your hand and look at. There are people out there who read who write as passionately as this, but it's you're reading it off a screen it's not the same as getting it and holding it in your hand and smelling the paper and, you know, flicking through it backwards and forwards. Yeah, I, I don't know. Even the adverts. I've mentioned it before with Fracture. Yeah, I love adverts in these things. But adverts, when I'm trying to read something on uh, a blog or anything, they just pop up and get <sighs> in the that. way. Yeah, They're offensive that. and intrusive. So, before we go... Um, uh, and say our goodbyes. I just want to mention that uh, a little while ago, uh, we got a bunch of CDs sent over from, from Dennis. This band Landscape, and also there was some uh, Forstella Ford? Forstella Ford, yep. So, so fucking incredible. We've got a bunch of these CDs, and we're, we're out of our own pockets. We're going to send anybody that wants a Landscape album on Scene Police or a Forstella Ford album that came out on Scene Police... Just hit us up uh, either on our Instagram or on our Facebook, anywhere at all you want to do it. 
hit us up, tell us that you want one, and we'll send it to you free of charge. Just give us your address, okay? Um, uh, we've got probably got about 40, so while stocks last, but you know, um, we're nice like that. We're, we're good guys. So, talking of the social medias, Dan, where can they find you, buddy? Facebook. What are you called on Facebook? Daniel Sargent. That's your name. It is. Or you can get me at Hellchild619 on the other two. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. And Bebo. You do Bebo? No. Oh. You can't get me on MySpace any longer, but you can get me on Instagram. I am Different Times Podcast on Instagram. I am Not Well A Pod on Twitter. And uh, again, as we said, probably every single time that you hear this, it does help us um, show up in more searches. If you can go along to, because um, uh, as I say, ninety percent listen to us on iTunes, like in the Apple stuff. So when you finish this, before you go and listen to your next one, just give us a five star rating. Like I know, I know it's like a bum, bum ache, a ball ache, an arse ache. Oh, it's an arse ache to do it. But like it really does help, like put the the podcast out there. But I tell you what, Daniel's been like thinking all week. He's been thinking really hard about his final last words. I'm going to hand it over, Daniel. <laughs> I love you, Dennis. Thank you very much. And good night. Total fucking crap.